John Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm. We are back with Million Dollar Agent Podcast. We don't normally do it. Normally, we're sitting in a room together, but I'm in New Zealand. John's in one place in Sydney. Troy's in another place, and we're going to do a super fast and a really strong podcast on... A great topic, John. I know you love this topic so much because you always have said this is probably one of the best skills people can upgrade and have a great return of investment ASAP is how to have a super listing presentation. And John and Troy, what I want to talk about is what are the biggest mistakes that you think real estate agents make at a listing presentation? I know you love this subject, John. Yeah, look, it's a good one, Tommy, because I think this is the skill that I mean. If you don't get this right, your days are limited in the real estate industry. So it's really critical. And, and to be honest, I'm quite surprised that, and often what I see are low, low standards of listing presentations as they go around the country. And I'm sure you have caught it the same. Look, I think to get to the, to the crux of what do I think are some of the key issues, I think, Tommy, first that lack of preparation. Uh, a lot of people, they're winging it. They're just turning up at listing presentations. Very little uh, forethought and poor preparation. So key one is, I mean, preparation is free, as we always say, and it's pretty easy nowadays through technology, digital and social media to get pretty much up to speed with what your client's about. And the number of agents I come across, and I say, well, you know, the listing presentation you're going to tomorrow, Tom, you know, where do they work, what do they do, what's their background? And I haven't even looked on something like LinkedIn, which is really a basic place to start looking for your business clients in particular to find out, you know, what's a bit of background because you just never know, you know, what what connections, mutual connections you might have. You might have gone to the same school together. You might have once worked at the same company. You, you certainly almost will have some of the same uh, social and business connections. So I think, you know, the key thing is you've got to realise that the listing presentation starts before the listing presentation when it comes to preparation. John, can I ask you, if you have gone on LinkedIn, and you've noticed that you've got a, a common acquaintance, but you don't actually know the person that you're about to do the listing presentation with, um, do you mention it to them? Say, hey, I sort of noticed that we both know Chris. I wouldn't be probably, Tommy, as obvious as that. It would depend on the circumstance, but I'll just tuck it in the back of my mind. Um, you know, I think that it's important to be discreet, so you don't want to be ringing the common person you know and saying, oh, I'm going to see Tom tomorrow, think of selling his house, because Tom may not want anyone to know that. But I think you tuck it in the back of your mind, and if the opportunity comes to, to mention it, that's a natural opportunity, I think I can do that. But um, I don't think you've got to go and regurgitate everything you've learned on social media, but I think it's a good thing to have it anyway. And, you know, things like um, Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram, they might just tell you a little bit about the person's, you know, what are their likes, what are their dislikes, you know, what are their, what are their hobbies, what else do they do out of, uh, out of work hours. So I think that's a key one. The second one, Tommy, which is critical, is I think there's too much talking done by the agents at listing presentations. And, and Troy, as you know, I always talk to our team and I say at a listing presentation, 75% of the conversation should be asking questions and getting feedback from the client and only 25% or a quarter um, should be actually making statements and putting your case forward. So in a, in a typical 60-minute listing presentation, 45 minutes should be listening and 25 minutes should be telling. I think John or Tom, you once said it really well, was the fact that most agents fall into the trap of listening to respond instead of yeah, listening yeah. to really understand the client's needs. And I think 
a lot of agents, because we do this so often and so frequently, we can sometimes get caught up in the, the process of the listing questions and tick the box and move on. But every circumstance is completely different with every client. And I think if we understand their needs more, you'll get a better understanding of what their desired outcome is as well. Yeah, so Troy, yeah, what I'm, I'm hearing there, which I agree with, is um, people are waiting just to speak rather than listening to what the what the vendor or the client, potential client, is telling you. And you've got to be focused on what's their feedback, and um, you know, really be tuned into that conversation. Tommy, what do you think? Yeah, um, I have to say, and I think this has been inspired by uh, Peter Fuda's presentation, but a lot of my gym members guys are saying that this simple one question seems to allow them to listen to incredible things that consumers are saying, and that is, Mr. and Mrs. Vendor, if you selected the perfect agent and the whole thing went really well and you gave it a five-star rating, can I ask you, what would that look like for you? And if you can, in your own words, ask that question and hear what they've got to say. A lot of the gym members tell me, people turn around and say, hey, I don't want to go to auction, or if I do go to auction, I want to know roughly what you're going to be quoting as a price. I don't want to be sort of chasing you up like I did the last agent. I was always ringing them back, and they never got back to me, and it was frustrating, or I used to show up at the house without ringing and just open up the door, or I don't want to be sitting on the market for six months. I think, I think if you ask a really good question you'll actually get pretty much the, the, the basis of what you've got to present at your listing presentations. Yeah, Tom, I think that Peter um, sort of uh, called back when he was saying you, you need to play a game that you can win or create a game you can win. And you're right, if you start pitching in one direction because you just assume that that's what the vendor wants to do, and it might be totally not what they want to do. So he said by asking two or three key questions, and that one was the best of all, um, you will actually find out what it is or what direction they want to be sold in. So I think that was a really good one. The other thing I think, um, Tom and Troy, is, is with, a lot of agents have no agenda, and it's always interesting because I tell the people a couple of things. I think an agenda is critical. This is a business meeting to discuss an incredibly valuable asset and to, to discuss how we can together as a team maximise the price and the, and the value. So I and I think the invisible to some degree should be relatively seamless, if not invisible, but it needs to be there. So I don't think most vendors want to feel like you know you walk in and then you've got five or six points down there and you talk to each one in in, in a business like fashion. They want to have a conversation, but it needs to have enough structure so you cover the important points, including the key points that they want to cover. So I talk about. Troy, as you know, I mean, what's your global agenda? Well, there's five or six things they're going to want to talk about, and that's critical. But what's the specific agenda item? So what are the other things, you know, Mr. Vendor, that would be valuable for me to cover with you today? So what are the five or six things that you think should need to be covered and then discuss them? And then, Troy, you know, what is specifically, what else would you like me to cover off? Is there anything that's not on that list that would be valuable for you to cover today? Yeah, and it always starts off with high level, uh, timing of the sale, what's the method if it's private sale, private treaty, auction, expressions of interest, what are the fees and costs, what's the marketing investment, so on and so forth till you get to a point that it does have to become very specific because you've got to ask yourself the question, if you're an agent and you're going in and competing against other agents, they are probably going to be covering off those same areas of agenda items. So how are you standing out? How are you making yourself really memorable to that client that they want to use your services? 
Can I put it to both of you? We talk about you make certain assumptions. What's your view on, you know, when you go in and do a listing presentation and their family, friend, or a past client that you're pretty close to, do you think that the listing presentation, do you think you still should have an agenda with those people? And um, have you seen instances where you would have thought to yourself, oh, I should get this listing, um, but you don't because you're being a little bit presumptuous? Yeah, I think that's a great point, Tommy. But often people, if they're not family and friends, they may well be someone we've dealt with in the past, and often there's almost instant rapport there. And I think what happens then is agents can take it for granted and they don't go through the normal process. And this happens right throughout the sale, Tom. It's not just the listing. You know, once it's listed, often they say, oh, you know, we'll catch up for a barbecue on Saturday night. We'll have a quick chat over the barbecue about how the sale's going. So they stop the, the key process. So I think it's really important that irrespective of how close the relationship is and how warm the lead might have been, I think it's important to have a degree of structure that you, that you follow through. Now, the feeling of the conversation might be slightly different but I don't think you should disband it and just say, oh, look, we're buddies from way back, so, look, I'll just send you the paperwork because I think many of us, most of us, I've certainly done it in the past, and I've ended up seeing another agent's board go up only because, you know, I didn't follow the structure. So I think that's a really key point. Can I ask you this? I had a principal say to me that one of the problems he's got with a few of the sales agents is that he understands that certain vendors are very price-sensitive or, you know, uh, commission is, is a major factor in the decision, but he, he'd noticed that a couple of them thought that every listing presentation they went to, fee had to be a big issue with the vendor. What's your view on that? I mean, is there a group of agents that maybe overemphasize or overfocus that every vendor wants a low fee? I think the majority, Troy, I'm not sure your views are, the majority of agents overweight the the, the listing um, focus on, on fees far more than they should. Fee is relevant, and there's no doubt that vendors want to get the best deal they can get from the best agent that they want to choose. But that's about it, really. At the end of the day, most vendors are fixated on finding the best agent that can get them the best price. Then they will ask, in most instances, of that agent, is that the best deal you can do? Or what's the best deal you can do? Or can you do a little bit better than that? So I think that in most agents' mind, they're kind of fretting over it and they're worried about it. But at the end of the day, I think you've got to take really pressure off yourself because all you've got to be is the best agent and you're going to be in a winning position. Troy, what are your thoughts? Well, I would agree. I would say that value far outweighs the fee on any vendor's mind yep. when it comes time to make a decision about an agent. I was doing a lot of listing role play uh, just recently and the fee conversation, uh, the agent that I was coaching was so nervous about having it that I didn't even go into that realm of asking questions about the fee. Mm. Everything else mm. was a focus. But after the presentation had finished, they said, I was so nervous that you're going to try and knock me down on fee. And I said, I, that was irrelevant to me during this process. I wanted to see how much value you could add before we got to that point of discussing what, the, what it was going to cost to list the property. Now, that was in a practice environment. I would imagine that a lot of pent-up anxiety gets put in play in a live listing environment with vendors that may even not know to ask the question about what fees are going to be charged. Yeah, at the end of the day, Troy, the best agent is the cheapest agent, basically. Correct. The person that's going to get you the most amount of money is almost always the cheapest agent. Tom, the last thing I would, would add is, 
during your listing presentation, a couple of things. What do they want to see? They, they want to see actually that you really like the property and you're an enthusiast because vendors, it's you know, a bit like when they you know, show you their photo of their pets and their kids. They want to see, you know, a positive reaction. They want to see someone that, you know, enjoys the same things or can, can see the value there. So I think that's really, uh, really important. But they also want to see a bit of creativity. So as you're thinking, and, and we said before about, you know, don't just wait to speak, you know, think about what they're saying, but also look for opportunities to be creative and to show some fresh thinking about how you're going to go about the sale. Now, that can be around the presentation, that can be around the marketing, um, how you style the property, the buyers you're going to look for, a specific micro market that you think it could suit, because a lot of times that's the thing that will really get their interest. In most of our markets, agents are going to be saying, we think vendor paid marketing is important, we think being on the internet is important, open for inspections are important, auctions are a good way to sell. There's going to be a lot of sameness. So what you're really going to do is come out and find some incisive, creative ideas that are going to put you ahead of the rest. And that's the sort of thing that people are going to remember when you leave the room. All righty, guys. As usual, fantastic information and contribution. I want to thank you so much. Next week we'll be face-to-face together again and we'll be doing... Uh, 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 live uh, whilst we're in the same room. I want to wish both your two teams who are playing uh, against <laughs> each other. That's why John and um, I aren't in the same anyone, room, Tom. We can't be in the right, same room this week. <laughs> this week we're not <laughs> talking to you. We're not friends this week. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I've got two comments before we finish off this podcast. The first one is that, uh, 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 Troy, yes. make sure you get a message across to your team don't allow South Sydney to have a field goal because they obviously get most of them, right? That's the they're, first one. They're pretty good, Tom, the aren't they? One, they are. They're very good at kicking field goals. The second thing is, I have to say to you, as West Tigers is a Sydney-based side and they're not in the contention, I uh, I hope that uh, Melbourne wins the uh, the grand final and none of your two teams. <laughs> to, to be fair, though, Tom, I, I do think this. With all respect to Melbourne and Cronulla, I do think the winner of this year's competition will come from the Roosters versus the South Sydney game this weekend. I, I just get a feeling Ooh. that this game will determine Ooh. who will win. They always say the semifinals, and having played in a couple of them, uh, they always say, the, and they are, the, the semifinals to get to the grand final are always much more intense games and much harder than the actual grand final because the grand final plays itself. But definitely, you heard it here first on NBA podcast. There you go. So I yeah, do, I do prediction. strongly believe that whoever wins this weekend will win. Troy, let's not forget, you've got a vested interest. We're a rooster <laughs> supporter. Let's, let's just. <laughs> All righty, guys. Send our regards to the team. See you soon, Tom. Travel safe. Okay. Bye-bye. See bye. See you guys. Bye. Bye. bye.